When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here we go. Welcome to the program. An hour at least, probably more, as we break down a huge list of visitors for Tennessee. Also, Chris Lofton getting his number retired. Blake Toppemeyer will join us and looking forward to that as he looks at the SEC and the state of the SEC after Georgia's big win. Can Tennessee stop the Bulldogs next year? And also, we'll get a visit from our friend at Locked On Wildcats as we'll preview the Tennessee-Kentucky game tomorrow, in which Chris Lofton will be honored and have his jersey retired, which is just super cool. Let's get it going now. This is Off the Hook Sports. Hey, guys. You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Here we go, Tennessee, Kentucky on Saturday. So it is a big, big weekend for the Vols and Chris Lofton having his number retired, which is simply awesome. But first, we want to talk a little college football recruiting as the Vols with a big junior day and a big weekend overall as all combined with the transfer portal. And the freshman that will be, well, I'll say freshman, um, the upcoming freshman that could still be on campus and sign in the second signing period, which is taking a backseat to the first signing period. So a lot going on, and we want to break that down right now. So 
Caleb Jairo covers recruiting for us at Off the Hook Sports. You can follow his stuff. It is fantastic. And Jairo, I want to start with your thoughts on Monday. I haven't talked to you on the air since then, and I was very impressed to see bringing in a top-flight defensive lineman, a top-flight offensive lineman, or at least pretty good, but definitely a top-flight wide receiver. And your thoughts on what they were able to accomplish on uh, Monday, which was a big day for the balls. And I'm going to bring Caleb Calhoun in here as well. So go ahead. Your thoughts on what Tennessee accomplished on Monday? Yeah, I thought Monday was a very big day for the balls. I – I think we talked on the show that morning, but we were hoping that they'd get at least a defense, the defensive lineman and offensive lineman and John Campbell and Norman Lott. But to get Dante Thornton on top of that was a really big pickup. And he's somebody – all three guys are somebody you can plug and play in the team next year, which is really the whole point of the transfer portal is if you have an outgoing guy like Jalen Hyatt or an outgoing lineman like Darnell Wright, you go to the portal and you pick up somebody who you could put on the field tomorrow to replace that guy. So those pickups were big. And something that stood out to me is Dante Thornton said that whenever he was on his visit, Josh Heupel had him talking to Joe Milton. So that makes me think that Joe Milton is in line to be the starting quarterback next year. And Josh Heupel is kind of selling that like, hey, you could go to Auburn where you don't know what is going on. Or you could come here where we have Joe Milton who's going to air the ball out if you run down the field. So that's something that stood out to me. They did good. Um, Davon Sears went to Oklahoma State, but when you get three guys that you can put on the field tomorrow, I don't think you really worry as much as about the one you lost. So, Caleb, where does this – I'm sorry, Calhoun, where does this class go from now? I mean, I'm not talking about the 2024 class. I'm really talking about the transfer portal class. We talked about a quarterback and Sam Hartman. I was big on him, and it doesn't appear as if Tennessee's going to go in that direction. Hartman goes to Notre Dame because of the pro-style offense that they run, and I get that. It's, um, you know, Josh Heupel's offense is fantastic in college. Is it a great fit for a transition to the NFL? Not yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL cats start to copy that a little bit. But for now, I understood the a decision to go to Notre Dame and more of a pro-style offense. But what would Tennessee like to pick up from this point forward? I would argue that an, another defensive lineman would be great. I would argue that another wide receiver actually would be good. We we see where uh, Squirrel White went to Wake. Uh, I'm sorry. See, oh, sorry. Uh, Walker Merrill went to Wake. So you've got Squirrel White. You've got Ramel Keaton. You've got Brew McCoy. You've got the new young man who signed from Oregon. But I don't think Tennessee would be hurt at all if they picked up you. If they picked up another wide receiver? Yes. I don't. I mean, they wouldn't be hurt by it, but I, I don't really know if they need one. I'm with you more. I think defensive line, and I think more than anything, an interior offensive lineman would have been helpful. Um, uh, Jaro, you can maybe help me out with this because a lot of what I've been uh, studying, I thought Andres Carrick would be a it would be competing at tackle with John Campbell. I'm hearing rumblings now that Carrick might actually move to the inside. What do you know about that? Well, in Josh Heupel's offense, Carrick is a big lineman. So he let Steve Sarkeesian came into Texas and he wanted Alabama-sized linemen, you know, the Nick Saban style where they have these massive guys who can push you five, ten yards down the field. Well, you look at Josh Heupel's offense, you have a lot of guys built more similarly to Cooper Mays where they're not necessarily that big, beefy lineman. So in the scheme of 
all offensive linemen, Carrick is probably average or undersized. But when you look at Hypo's offense, he might be the biggest lineman, one of the biggest ones they have. So I could see him playing interior as well. And he's a guy that I think when they picked him up, the whole point was they could put him, they could swing him wherever they needed him. Well, as far as Anderson, early reviews ain't great. Uh, I think Carrick's going to slide to guard from what I've been told. So we'll see on we'll see on Anderson, but um, you know you're you're going to swing and miss from for some of these guys, and I'm not saying he's a miss yet, but he's a foul tip at least at this point at best. So all right, let's go down some of the guys that are going to be in town for uh, this week. Want to remind you that uh, portions of the program are brought to you by our friends at Craft Treats. Craft Treats is phenomenal craft treats has the holistic craft trees the the holistic uh treats for your pet and uh, cat dog doesn't matter they also have the cbd uh treats that will help with anxiety that will help with digestive issues and they'll uh, also help if your pet's suffering from arthritis like mine so go to crafttreats.com the chill pills have the cbd in them and uh use the code off the hook that's off the hook get 20 percent off your purchase off the hook and your pet will love those craft treats so let's look at uh some of the names that will be in town this week the big one that everybody's fallen in love with and for good reason uh ryan wingo there's a couple of reasons why tennessee should like him we've seen steve wiltfong project him tennessee uh he is a five-star prospect number four prospect nationally it would be an absolutely huge pickup, and he ranks as the number three wide receiver in the class of 2024. 6'2", 198 pounds from St. Louis, Missouri. He is just a, a fantastic prospect. I've watched his tape, and I'll tell you what, if Tennessee picks up him, that's a statement get. I don't know his, his time frame, Gyro, you might. But let's say he committed on Monday in January. That would be a monster pickup. Not expecting it, but whenever he signs, he's the type of guy. Not as much as a Nico because he's quarterback, and I get that. But um, as far as a guy that steps up and says, I want to be a part of this program, that's the type that typically brings in other commitments in their wake. Yeah, and I think his timeline is more a summer timeline. So I think – if I remember correctly, he's going to commit. He plans to commit, obviously, July or August before the high school season. But like you said, he's a guy, number 14 prospect nationally, that's been to Tennessee several times. And really, you would almost say if he goes somewhere else, it's a Tennessee miss at this point because he's projected to Tennessee. He's been to campus several times. Heupel's big on him. And you go back to he goes to St. Louis University High School in St. Louis, Missouri. You go back to Heupel going to those Missouri um, – stomping grounds we saw it with some guys in the 23 class as well where back when he was the OC at Missouri he knows these high schools and he can go in and get guys he wants and Wingo is for obvious reasons a guy he wants 41 catches for 785 yards he had 19 yards a catch this past season with 13 total touchdowns so he's a playmaker like you said 6'2 198 and I think at this point if Tennessee doesn't pick him up it would be a miss for them more than a pickup for somebody else because he seems to be almost a lock to be in Knoxville. 
if you're out there watching on YouTube, please hit the like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, we appreciate that. If you're on our one of our audio platforms, be it Apple or Spotify, please turn your notifications on. Just to give you an idea, we've added Cooper Mays, Jacob Warren, John Adams to all of our platforms. So if you don't have the notifications on, you're not going to know that. So we would appreciate you doing that. It'll just pop up and you'll be able to tune in to what we think is pretty darn good coverage of the ball. So let's continue down the list. I'm going to jump forward just a little bit out of order, but Boo Carter is a guy that I've got, I've got a few question marks about quite frankly. Uh, here's a guy from Chattanooga uh, from Brainerd high school. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He transferred schools midway through uh, the playoffs. He was injured uh, at this point. Uh, he's predicted to end up at Tennessee. He's been a high target. Boo Carter, a similarity to Wingo, if they don't get him, I think it's a significant loss. I think he ends up playing for Tennessee. You? Yeah, I would say the same thing. And more Boo Carter than Ryan Wingo, if they lose Carter to an out-of-state school, I don't think that's a good look. Because Josh Heifel has been, like most SEC schools, you have to recruit. And like Josh Heifel said, you have to recruit in your state because there's so much talent in the southeast. So Heifel's had success in Tennessee in the 23 class, and he had success in Georgia in the 23 class. So if Boo Carter somehow escapes to an out-of-state school or like Colorado, like he's been tweeting a lot about recently since Dion went there, I think that would be a big loss, not as much from a standpoint as talent, just from a standpoint of trying to keep your in-state kids in-state. I'll go ahead. He's a, go, go for ahead. it. Okay, go, go. No, I was going to say he's the number five guy in Tennessee. And like you said, he did transfer – midway through uh, Chattanooga Christian School's playoffs. So, and a lot of Vol fans have come watch him. And whenever he played for Chattanooga Christian School, they were in uh, Grace Christian Academy's district. So when he came to Knoxville and played Grace, he also took a visit to Tennessee that weekend. And there were a ton of fans at that game, not to watch Grace versus CCS, but to watch Boot Carter and cheer him on. So he's the number 268 prospect nationally. And I think, if Tennessee lets him go out of state, that'd be a very not a very bad look. You know what it would remind me of Calhoun is Von Bell, who and and Derek Dooley just didn't even drive the ninety minutes to recruit Von Bell, who loved Tennessee. And I remember interviewing him, and he went to Ohio State, and Von Bell was a four, maybe even a five star prospect. And Von Bell, I, I was like, who are the final schools you like? And I, I think it was Alabama. He goes Alabama, Ohio State, and well, Tennessee. Well, he grew up a Tennessee fan. He didn't go to Tennessee because nobody went down there to recruit him. So that's not the case with Boo Carter, but it would be that kind of loss where you're like, that's a really black mark on your resume. I, I'm sure you remember that, Calhoun. That was just buffoonery. Yeah, that was the um, the, uh, the 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 most frustrating part of the Derek Dooley tenure when it came to his recruiting was he was so, when we talked about it before, process oriented like he had like a checklist and he wasn't going to recruit an athlete until they passed his evaluation process and i mean he would take forever to clear that evaluation process before he went and recruited an athlete or any star player for that matter and yeah von bell was a highly touted prospect and was he was already getting offers from so many other schools when Derek truly hadn't finished his checklist yet <laughs> on him and wow. I, I was never able to confirm this, but I was told by somebody in the recruiting department that Derek Dooley did not go to one high school football game during his tenure at Tennessee. 
I had heard that he did not have the best relationship with high school coaches in Tennessee. <laughs> I do know that. You've got to show up. Get in yeah. the car, plane. I mean, it's easy. The Let's... only thing I'm going to say, and this is going to be my hottest take of the day. I'm going to say this right now. I've, I've, co- I've covered enough recruiting. I remember the Butch Jones first two top five classes in 2014 and 2015. Very Nashville heavy. Guys, middle and central East Tennessee prospects are usually really overrated if you look at their like that that's like where some of the biggest busts come from in in all of recruiting. I have to go to high school football game. You do. You do. Like, if you wanna if you wanna take it Nick you Saban at the will sit there. Nick Saban will sit there and watch a three star on a Friday night in Homewood when he's got Georgia the next day. I mean, for goodness sake, Derek Dooley was just a complete buffoon when it came to recruiting in-state or out. Lane Kiffin had a helicopter. Uh, Jairo, you're, you're too young to remember this, but because the traffic in Atlanta, they had an orange helicopter go from school to school so he could hit six schools in one Friday night. And Derek Dooley couldn't hop in the car and drive 90 minutes to see Von Bell in Chattanooga. But I don't want to get sidetracked. You were saying? I was going to say, if you want to go into Calhoun's point about Tennessee guys being overrated, Tennessee's uh, number one prospect in the state, Edwin Spillman, is the number 98 prospect nationally. Well, let's – I want to have this discussion for another day. So, um, I think the Nashville guys – do get maybe a little overrated, but I think they're getting there. So let, let's let's do that another day. That's a whole different topic. Um, this visit list brought to you in part by Andy Mason Real Estate.com. Andy Mason Real Estate.com. Man, you're gonna love Andy because in their office they have over 40 years of experience. And how about this for a business tenant? They provide the best service and the best prices. Boom, bang, done. That is pretty darn awesome. Andy Mason realestate.com. He's my realtor. He saved me tens of thousands of dollars over the years. He should be yours too. And no pressure too, because there was one period where I'd sold my house and I needed a house and he was patient with me. I actually had to move back in with my mom because there wasn't a house ready for me to buy that I liked. And we eventually found one. Other realtors would say, just go ahead and buy this one now because you got to have a house because they want to turn the profit. That's not Andy Mason. So uh, check him out, andymasonrealestate.com. Are other guys that are visiting this week, Mike Matthews, five-star prospect in the 2024 class, expected to be in Knoxville, number three prospect nationally, number one athlete in his class. He is from Lilburn, Georgia, six foot two, 180-pound athlete. He is he is a guy that Tennessee's going to have to battle Georgia with. I'm not sure that they're ready to win a lot of those battles, but maybe they do with Matthews. We'll see. You took the words out of my mouth. I don't know if they can beat – he's a Georgia guy. I don't know if they'll beat Georgia out to get him. But if they do, it would be a really get big pickup. He projects more as a safety or a wide receiver in college, and he had over 1,000 receiving yards this past season. And he also plays basketball, and he leads the team in points. And then he also runs 11, 5, 7, 100 yard or 100, yeah, 100 meter dash. So he's a, he's an athlete and he's the number one athlete in the class of 2023. So he's a guy that I wouldn't bet the house on that he's coming to Tennessee, but the fact that he's coming to Tennessee's first junior day on January 14th, 
is a pretty good sign to where the ball stand in his eyes. In recruiting, Tennessee has to be ahead of the game. I think that's the case with edge rusher Danny Okoye. No word if he's related to Christian Okoye. Remember that name, Calhoun? I actually do not remember that name. Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare running back for the <laughs> Chiefs. Oh, my gosh. One of the most powerful tailbacks in the history of the NFL. You can watch highlight films of him, and he's kind of like an Earl Campbell type. But anyway, with Danny Okoye. Dave, I was four when he retired. <laughs> Too young to touch your mouth. I don't like hearing that I'm old. Jaru uh, wasn't born like until ten years later. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who has to work in podcasts between doctor visits, so I don't want to hear any of that stuff. Um, Okoye doesn't have a ranking yet, but this is a classic example of Tennessee has to be ahead of the curve, and I think they are. He doesn't have a ranking, but he has twenty offers. I could name off twelve guys in the past couple of years that Tennessee got ahead on that ended up with other offers as significant, but Tennessee being ahead of the game uh, had them stick to Knoxville. So he's informed off the hook sports of his high interest in Tennessee football. Uh, that was way back in September when the ball is offered. So I think Tennessee has a great chance out of the young man from Tulsa, Oklahoma. From the way he talks about Tennessee, I think they have a good chance as well. He's a, from he goes, he's homeschooled. So he plays for the Northern Oklahoma Association of Homeschools. And for them, this past season, he had 78 tackles with 21 for loss, 10 and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. And like I said earlier, the way he talks about Tennessee, when Tennessee offered him, he said they were already in his top schools that he was considering. And he said he always can, he always looked at Tennessee and he was never blind to the history of the program. So, and like you said as well, with him, he's another one where they're getting in early. So I, I figure he'll be ranked here pretty soon. And I want to say on three has a ranking for him. Yeah, on three holds him as a four star. Okay. And the number one and the number one guy out of Oklahoma. So I feel like 24-7 sports will have him ranked here pretty soon. And Tennessee was one of his first power five offers and he holds them in high regard. So like you said, I feel like the balls have a very good chance if they impress him tomorrow that he could end up at in Knoxville. Well, and He's in the state of Oklahoma. The in-state Sooners seem to be uh, in a bit of flux. So I'm not sure that the whole Brent Venables thing is going to work out there. So don't think for a second you don't target schools uh, in their states, their home states, that aren't having struggles. Um, that's why Tennessee was so good at, in the 90s by targeting the Carolinas. Offensive tackle Donovan Harbor will be in town. And he is uh, considering Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Wisconsin, and Florida. That was his top seven, six foot five, 310 pounds. And uh, he's a young man that, uh, and these are the type of young men, he's out of Wisconsin, that Tennessee is going to have to uh, win battles with the big cats. And in particular, defensive tackle, but he's an offensive tackle, an offensive lineman. It's the big guys that can move that are the game changer. And I think that was evident Monday night in the national championship game. Tell me about Harbor. Yeah, so he's the number one prospect out of Wisconsin, number uh, 60 prospect nationally. And he was on campus a couple times in the fall watching some of Tennessee's games. So I think it's a very good sign that for their first junior day, they're bringing him in and rolling out the red carpet. And like you said, like this season, they picked up Andre Carrick and um, John Campbell out of the transfer portal. But I don't know if you want to necessarily rely on the transfer portal every cycle to fill your offensive line. 
So I think picking up guys like a Donovan Harper at six five or Harbor, excuse me, at six five three ten can help beef up that offensive line room. So maybe here in two or three years, when you have a couple guys graduate, you don't have to worry about scrambling in the portal to pick up guys when you have Harbor, who's been sitting around two three years getting his body ready and he's ready to play on the field. So I'd like to hear your your thoughts on that. But I was listening to some podcasts the other day, and they were talking about like you look at Georgia, where they have all these five star guys. And then you look at a TCU where their team was mainly transfer portal guys. Well, these five-star blue chip prospects or four stars that Georgia have been in the system and been practicing with Kirby Smart instead of trying to piece together a team every January. Man, if you would have asked me this a year ago, Calhoun, your thoughts too, I would have said you want the five-star guys that stick with the program. But, man, I've seen so many guys have success with transfer guys. I, I think that thought is a little bit antiquated. Of course you want the guy who sticks for four or five years, but man, you get a you get an awful lot. I mean, Hidden Hooker was the transfer. You get an awful lot out of that transfer portal. Yeah, especially on the offensive line. I think offensive line is where recruiting, when you talk about five star, four star, you want to talk about where the biggest misses are, they always seem to be on the offensive line. Um it's funny because um we're talking about uh Donovan Harbor and he's from Wisconsin and Wisconsin. It's pronounced Wisconsin. My wife is from Wisconsin. She does not say it like that. (laughs) Um, uh, But, you know, if you look, if you look, Wisconsin fills the NFL with offensive linemen. None of them are that highly recruited. I I think it's just, it's such a hard position. Some of Tennessee's biggest bust in history were offensive linemen. Here's a name. Dave will remember this. Brandon Jeffries. Anybody? Anybody? I do. Yeah. The star of the 2002 recruiting class never saw the field with Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing now. Uh, Harbor will be in town. And then we got to wrap these next two guys up because we got Blake Topmeyer of the USA Today Network. He's the SEC columnist coming up. Uh, A guy, when it comes to ranking, there's nothing iffy about him. Iffy Obedigawu will be in town and tell me about him quickly. Number 15 cornerback in the class of 2024. Yeah. So he's a, he's a DB and we know good and well that the balls need defensive backs in their classes, defensive backs in the portals because they struggle in the secondary. That was evident this past season. So he's a guy number number uh, 158 prospect nationally. He's a guy that could get in the 2024 class. That'll help him out. Six one one eighty five. He's from Baltimore, Maryland, and he's bringing his teammate, Safety Idris Farouk with him as well. He's the number 19 prospect out of Maryland. So you have two secondary guys who played with each other in high school, both coming to the junior day down from Maryland. And he's a guy that Tennessee has been high on and been trying to get to campus. But whenever they're playing high school football and Tennessee's all over during the season, it's a little rough to get from Maryland to Tennessee very often. And then his teammate Safety Idris Farouk will be in town, not as highly regarded but maybe you see a package deal gyro great job we look forward to your recruiting coverage throughout the weekend and i will talk to you soon thank you sir yes sir thank y'all i appreciate it blake topmeyer of the usa today network and blake i'm totally dropping the ball i gotta take a two-minute break before i get to you is that okay yeah no worries sounds good it's been one of those mornings as I go through off the air. So hang tight. Two minutes. Blake Topmeyer has written two what I thought were fantastic columns. He always does. But there are two I want to talk about in particular in this past week. He is the SEC columnist with the uh, with uh, 
the USA Today Network and Gannett. So stay tuned. GIAplantoday.com. If you're looking at investing your money, they not only show you where to put it, but why to put it there. GIAplantoday.com. It's Guardian Investment Advisors back in two minutes with Blake and Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Oakley has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli South subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment with a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a well and taste. I'm a big Welcome back. So you have three choices there. Blake Topmeyer of USA Today Network. Uh, the way I figure it, you've got Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, or Run DMC all mashed together. If you had to rate those, this tells us something about Blake. If you had to rate those one through three, how would you rate those three bands? Oh, boy. Um, Led Zeppelin, number one. And who made my other choices? Rolling Stones. And, and who was the other one you said? Run, Run DMC. <laughs> uh, it would go Rolling Stones number two, I suppose. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, John would try to put the Eagles up there, even though they're the worst popular rock band of all time. But that's okay, John Adams, I'm referring to. And you can check him out on our YouTube page along with uh, Jacob Warren and also Cooper Mays. So please hit that like button if you're enjoying the program, brings more people into view. And also subscribe if you haven't to this point. I remind you that Biles Automotive Group on Callahan is the epicenter of car buying. Not only do they have a great selection, they give you a fair price that's absolutely matched with anybody. They also have a service department that doesn't find other things wrong with your car that really aren't wrong with your car. That's Biles Automotive Group right there on Callahan. So, Blake, football season is over. I know you got back from... LA at like 4 a.m. So are you getting any rest yet? Yeah, I feel rested up. It was it was mostly a good trip. Um, strange trip weather-wise that the game on Monday was uh yeah, a, a unique day for for the weather. It was it was interesting. You know, I'm sitting there in the press box and you look out over the field and certainly over the stands and you see rain falling down. And you think, okay, well, it's raining outside. That's the way it is, right? But then you look up. And you see there's a roof over your head. Uh, so it's like, wait a second, it's raining and there's a roof over my head. But yes, there's there's no walls on SoFi Stadium. So it was raining, despite the fact that there was a roof over the head, because it was raining so hard and the wind was blowing it in through the side um, that uh, rain, rain was falling in a roofed stadium. Did you expect that from George? I mean, that dominant or anywhere close to it? No, I, I thought maybe like a two-touchdown margin to me what it was a reminder of and maybe we should have predicted this but it was a reminder of how good Georgia can be when it when it turns it up if we think of some of their biggest moments in the season you go back to season opener against Oregon they they absolutely pasted them well that was Georgia's last ranked opponent Oregon until they played Tennessee uh at the beginning of November they had they didn't play any ranked opponents in between in between well, what Georgia do then? They come out in the first half and they just crush the balls. It was 24-6 at halftime. The game was over at the half. Um, Ohio State took him to the wire, to be sure. I think that was a reflection of the fact that 
pure talent wise, Ohio State had one of the one of the best rosters in the country. It's why most of us thought Ohio State was a preseason candidate to win the national championship. It's why most of us expected Ohio State to be in the college football playoff coming into this season. Uh, Ohio State, you know, talent for talent is one of the few programs that could go up against Georgia. And we saw that play out, I think, in that semifinal. Talent for talent, TCU couldn't go up against Georgia. Didn't mean I thought it was going to be a blowout to this extent, but boy, I mean, you, you really saw the discrepancy, I thought, um, play out on the field throughout four quarters. And, and again, I also think you saw what Georgia can do in those moments where it plays up to its top level. We didn't always see that this, this season. As, as dominant as Georgia was at times, they did let off the accelerator um, in a few games, in a few moments of games. They didn't let off the accelerator at all on, on Monday. They, they kept it pressed to the floor. You wrote a column that I thought was really good and uh, great minds think alike because I was about to read the I was about to write the same thing and I read yours. And I was like, well, so much for that. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't want to look like I was copying you, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are people that are going to hate Georgia that are Tennessee fans just because you hate Georgia. And I get that. But as far as a, a, an analytical look at Georgia being dominant, does that help the SEC? Does it just make them stronger in recruiting? This debate's been going on for decades. Um, but what are your thoughts as as far as um, Georgia and their dominance right now? Does it kind of raise all waters, or does it just make it tougher for other schools to compete against them in recruiting or both? Well, you can always feel free to write columns that I write. Uh, we're, we're in a copycat industry, right? So, so go, go, go right ahead anytime you like. But <laughs> I couldn't do it. I mean, it was, my, my idea was so close to yours. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we like you know we, around the SEC, we we see some some best chest thumping sometimes. Uh, the, the SEC, SEC. I, I don't really know how Georgia's success uplifts the Vols, uplifts Alabama, uplifts really many other programs, if any, in in the SEC. I mean, if you want to have conference pride and say, yeah, someone from our conference uh, won the national championship, go right ahead, I I guess. I don't know how that helps your program, but go right ahead and feel that conference pride. But no, I don't think Georgia's dominance in the sport um, does anything to help Tennessee. I think what helps Tennessee is they have a competent coach right now and Josh Heupel, who's done a really nice job, um, he's he's done good for quarterback development, something they sorely needed on the heels of the Jeremy Pruitt tenure, um, helped develop Hendon Hooker into a, a Heisman Trophy, well, should have been a Heisman Trophy finalist, even though he wasn't. Um, so that's what helps Tennessee. You know, Georgia winning a, a national championship, I don't think that that does anything for, for Tennessee. Uh, doesn't necessarily ruin Tennessee's future. But I think if you're Tennessee, you would rather Georgia be three and nine right now <laughs> going into the offseason, because if they were, you'd probably be plucking a lot more kids out of the state of Georgia uh, headed to your program because who would want to play for Georgia if the Bulldogs are three and nine. So, no, I, I, don't, I don't think Georgia uh, being the two time national champion, um, you know, there, there should be a lot of people around the SEC in, in Knoxville or Nashville or T- Tuscaloosa uh, celebrating that. Oh, Caleb. Sorry, sorry, was muted. Uh, like, I wanted to add on that a little bit because, you know, we've been talking a lot here about how Tennessee, be, how significant it was for Tennessee to beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl because, you know, they've competed for a lot of recruits. I said, and I've told Dave, I don't think, 
I don't think the college football world is big enough for Clemson and Tennessee to both be powerhouses. I'll take it. A t- I'll take it a step further. I don't know if I, you're right. Tennessee's in great shape because they have a competent coach right now. It's going to be really hard for them to get the to the level the fans expect them to be at if Georgia and Alabama remain this dominant and Clemson's a powerhouse. I mean, you're really icing out so many areas Tennessee needs to get talent when that happens. Yeah, I, I think I'd buy that. And, and I think if you look back to sort of the peak of Tennessee football, uh, at least, I guess, during our lifetimes, um, you know, you go back to the to the 90s and early 2000s and Georgia was not functioning, you know, anywhere close in, in the way that that they are now. It, Georgia wasn't even functioning um, to the level that they were at times during the, the height of the Mark Richt era. So, yeah, I mean, when when Tennessee was thriving at its peak, Georgia was not a player in the sport in the in the way that it is now, and and I think uh, in the way that many people thought that they they should be. It took Georgia uh, a long time to get to the level um, that I think many thought that Georgia could reach, um, and and really Kirby Smart has only unlocked. But true, and I, and I think there are only so many athletes to to go around. I think that's that's true in all parts of the country. Uh, particularly here where you're, you know, you're a little bit farther from the, the Texas recruits. You don't have as, as easy as access uh, to that state. So you need to, you know, you need to be doing well in the recruiting footprint in the state of Georgia throughout the Southeast. And uh, as you say, if all those programs are functioning at their, that they're high at their highest, it makes it hard to squeeze in and, and wreck that party. Uh, another column that you wrote more recently, and it's it's on his uh, Twitter page, and you can follow him very easily at uh, B Topmeyer T O P P M E Y E R for some great stuff. Fuel to our tank is how you led the tweet, and one of those uh, additions of fuel to the tank was Tennessee being number one in the college football. Uh, rankings and that was uh, way back when the first ranking but but also I'd like for you to address that but just in how Kirby Smart is just a master a a lot like I think a Bill Belichick or maybe a Nick Saban of how you are the underdog in every game you go into which in the end is just a big bold face lie (laughs) Yeah, it's like it started with a a morsel of truth, and then it just became this, uh, as as you said, this colossal lie, really. Um, It is true that Georgia was not expected to win the national championship this season. In in most circles, uh, many of us thought it would be uh, Alabama or Ohio State, myself included. It is true that many of us expected Georgia would take at least a small step back after sending 15 guys to the NFL draft last spring. So those things are true. Now, this idea that Georgia is some plucky underdog story, that they were out there proving naysayers wrong all year. I mean, they still came into the season ranked preseason number three, right? It's not like uh, everybody was saying Georgia was going to be hot garbage this year after losing so much talent. We all knew they had a new wave of talent coming in. It's just most of us thought that they would take a step back after sending so many guys to the NFL, and they and they really didn't. Um you know, I think I think a lot of us thought oh, maybe 10 and 2, 11 and 1, somewhere in there might be might be fighting to get, to get a playoff spot. So most of us expected Georgia would, would still be good. But Kirby somehow got his team to believe that everybody was out there doubting Georgia. Now, there were some things that helped Kirby get his team to believe that. And I do think one of them 
was Tennessee being number one in the first college football playoff rankings. Now, if you would have looked at the sports books, they would have told you Georgia was still a nine-point favorite in that game. But, you know, for all the talk about gambling we have now, I still think the rankings to the athletes mean a lot. Um, I think the athletes look at those rankings um, and they take those to heart. You know, I mean, Jamin Dumas Johnson, uh, the Georgia linebacker, after the game said it was pretty crazy to see that people would think we would lose in our own home. He's talking about that Tennessee game. Now, again, if you look at the betting spread, well, that didn't necessarily indicate that that many people thought Georgia would lose in its own home. But there was that number one next to the Tennessee name. And, and I do think that served as, as a motivator. Uh, Keely Ringo told me that it was, quote, fuel to our tank uh, to see Tennessee ranked number one. Now, there was not really a lot of, um, you know, ridiculing of Tennessee. You didn't hear the Georgia players say after the national championship that, oh, that was a joke that the balls were ranked number one or anything like that. It was more they noticed it. They took it to heart. Um, they heard the whispers that maybe they were vulnerable Going into that game, they were playing the number one ranked offense and they came out and crushed Tennessee. And it, and it does sound like that that ranking um, did serve as, as part of their motivation. Yeah, and I don't see any sign of that ending. I just, uh, Kirby Smart to me feels like um, an absolute long term coach like Nick Saban. I just, you know, Nick Saban did get, he, he didn't like living in Louisiana, so he went to the Dolphins. But Kirby Smart being a Georgia guy, the fact that um, the the money is much more equal way back in the day when when you guys were still in high school, I can remember that NFL coaches made millions, and I I was around at the point where an assistant coach in the SEC made $75,000 without even a two-year guarantee. So, I mean, that – to me, the money has changed things where I view, I don't know about you, Blake, but I, I want to get your take. I view a great head coaching job or even assistant coaching job in college as being equal, not less than the NFL. You? Depends how much you like recruiting. Depends how much you like dealing with NIL and boosters in that world. Uh, I mean, you got to deal with with some of that in the NFL. It's just different. Your boosters are called your owner in the NFL, right? I mean, these college coaches that act like it's it's crazy that they would have to be influenced in any way by booster money. It's like, okay, well then go to the NFL where some rich guy owns the team um, and and you still have to answer to him, right? So, yeah, I mean, it depends which, which one you want to dance with. Do you want to deal with the NIL and the boosters? Do you want to deal with uh, some rich guy owning the team? Do you want to recruit um, and, and have recruiting be a 24-7, 365 thing? Do you want it to be more the draft and free agency? So I, I think that's what it comes down to. If you don't mind the recruiting and if you don't mind the way NIL has has influenced the sport, then, yeah, I would agree. Um, college football can be as good, if not better, of a job than the NFL. I mean, you know, the buyouts, the long tenured contracts, the raises guys can get at certain programs for going seven and five. Um, I mean, it's kind of laughable. You know, Eli Drinkwitz went six and seven this year. Uh, he's worse than his predecessor, Barry Odom, was talking about the Missouri coach. He gets a raise. He gets an extension. Uh, he's now making six million dollars uh, annually. I mean, what kind of world are, are we living in where the Missouri coach who goes six and seven gets a raise to six uh, million dollars? But that's college football now. 
And although, you know, most of these coaches and administrators would, would make you believe that they're poppers and that NIL is straight, sending them straight to the poorhouse, um, we're still seeing these mega deals um, and, and oftentimes mega deals for mediocre coaches. So it is a great gig um, if you can handle the lifestyle, um, if you can handle the recruiting, and if you're comfortable with, with the way, uh, as I said, NIL dollars uh, are, are influencing the sport, in particular the, the recruiting in the transfer space. Blake, I want to ask that question from the reverse, funny enough. Um, I think we're not far off from the, from people finally realizing in terms of market value that it's worth more to, it's worth spending more on a college coach than an NFL coach because I feel like a college coach brings a lot more a college head coach brings a lot more value to the program. The program is so dependent on who the coach is at the time. Whereas if you're loaded with talent in the NFL, you can kind of recycle some coaches. And if you have no talent, it really doesn't matter who you have in the NFL. It's all about, you know, you got to have a GM who can draft, things like that. I mean, you know, the Cowboys fired Jimmy Johnson and won a Super Bowl two years later with Barry Switzer, who had not coached ever in the NFL and hadn't coached in 10 years when he took over the, the team. So I, I feel like, do you think we're going to hit a point where the bigger programs and college football realize they should be spending more on coaches and even the NFL teams too. Yeah. It seems like we're kind of already headed down that space. And, and when your workforce is unpaid, it allows you to, to spend uh, really kind of crazy money on coaches. If you want to now, some of these coaches, uh, I think you could make the case are worth more than what they're making others. Like I said, they get rewarded for a six and seven season with an extension in, in a race. Um, but a lot of this is a, a byproduct of you have an unpaid workforce. Um, and so when you don't pay your workforce, um, you can spend the big bucks on the coaches and the administrators and the staff, uh, the assistants, the, the whole bit. And, and also like nap pods, um, you know, a lot of college, college programs have better facilities than NFL teams do. Why is that? Um, it's not because the NFL doesn't care about the product. It's because the NFL has to pay its workforce um, and college does, does not. But I think to your, your larger point of, of it, you know, in some ways more being asked of college coaches, I think it's true. And it's always been the case a little bit that, that a college coach was kind of a combination of a coach plus a general manager. But I think it's more true now than ever with the importance of transfers and how you have to work the transfer portal. I mean, it was used to be kind of a two-step process before you had to be able to identify talent and recruit, and then you had to be able to coach slash develop talent. Now, I think it's almost a three-pronged effect. You have to be able to recruit and develop. You have to be able to coach X's and O's a little bit. And you have to be able to work the free agency, uh, the transfer portal, like a general manager. So I do think, you know, there are more spokes on the, on the wheel now. Um, I don't know that the college game asks coaches to be as savvy on the X's and O's front as I think NFL asks coaches to be. I think I think uh, greatness in college is mostly achieved by talent assembly. I think Kirby Smart's a good coach. Uh, I think Nick Saban's a great coach. I also don't think it's a coincidence that these guys are, are racking up national titles uh, because they've assembled the most talent. Um, and, and so I do think that, um, you know, as I said, I think, I think the NFL uh, can uplift those X's and O's guys a little bit more than the college game can and, and, and college coaching by and large, is about getting the best Jimmys and Joes and about developing those guys. And, and Kirby Smart's been really good at doing that. Blake, turning to Tennessee, got about midway through the season, 
when Tennessee was was probably going to win 10 games. And I thought to myself, uh-oh, expectations are going to get out of whack and this could be a potential problem in 2023. And then I looked at the schedule. Tennessee could win 10 games fairly easily this upcoming season. And um, I don't, I mean, I don't think that's asking too much of this volunteer program, even for the most optimistic fans. I, I think 10 wins is possible again. I did too. And I was uh, along a similar thinking you were like in the back of my head, I was thinking like, ah, they'll go eight and four next year. I, I still have concerns about the defense. They're losing him and hooker. You know, I, I know Joe Milton played well in, in the orange bowl, but I, I still think it's a big ask for him to play at the level Hinton Hooker did this year. So I, I initially was thinking, yeah, they're going to regress to like eight and four next year. And then you look at the schedule <laughs> and you can start talking yourself into 10 and two. I mean, um, yeah, I don't want to say the schedule is a, a joke because then you look at Georgia's schedule and I mean, what, who do they have on their schedule? The, the toughest power five on Georgia's schedule next year is Georgia tech, a program that has not played like a power five program for most of the last few seasons. Um, so there's, there's plenty of that to go around, I think in the sec, but yes, Tennessee does have a, a certainly manageable schedule. You look at their crossovers. They always have Alabama. Um, their other crossover is Texas A&M who I think will be better. Um, and yet Texas A&M has to come to Neyland stadium. So I think that's advantageous. You look at the non-conference schedule, uh, Tennessee ducked BYU, uh, the road game there, they're going to be playing Virginia in the neutral site. Instead, I think that's, you know, obviously a game Tennessee should win. I mean, I say neutral site. It's going to be in Nashville. It's not really a neutral site for Virginia, right? Um, so the non-conference schedule positions Tennessee to be 4-0, um, you know, before before we even start looking at SEC play. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the one concern you would have, though, is, is there going to be that game where the defense costs you? Is there going to be that South Carolina game? I think this team... Uh, is going to remain vulnerable to that next season. Um, whether it be a South Carolina, I don't know. That game will be in Knoxville next year. That helps. Um, but I do think they're going to remain vulnerable to that. And so if that happens, you know, to get to 10 and 2, you would have to steal one against Alabama or Georgia again. Don't know how often you can count on that. So you either have to get rid of that um, game where the defense falls flat and allows 60 plus points, and you're not losing to the likes of a South Carolina. Uh, or you have to avoid that from from costing you any games in the in the games you quote unquote should win, uh, and then you go out and you go ten and two with losses to to Alabama and Georgia. Blake, I always try to be respectful of people's time, and I never keep anybody over twelve minutes in my twenty five years of doing radio. But <laughs> it's just too good, man. You threw heat. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Your columns are fantastic. So. Hopefully we can do this again, and I promise I won't keep you this long. How's that? Uh, no worries. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you, Blake Topper. Thank you, Matt. It's just unbelievable with the uh, USA Today Network. And um, Caleb, he, he, I mean, if you look at Tennessee's schedule, I mean, if you were to ask me last late October, early November, when Tennessee was on the verge of winning 10 games, I, I would have said, uh-oh, Tennessee, our, uh, Tennessee fans are getting out of hand. And they're going to expect 10 wins every year. Uh, but at that time, we were so busy, I didn't really look ahead at the schedule. I think 10 wins is an easy ask for the balls this year. Yeah, I'm looking at Tennessee's schedule the same way I looked at the 2022 schedule 
in late 2021. So we weren't working together at the time. Um, but in late 2021, when Florida fired Dan Mullen and LSU had fired Ed Orgeron and we knew Kenny Pickett was leaving, I said Tennessee is – I didn't think Tennessee was going to be as good as they were in 2022, but I said they were in rare shape to really cash in with a big start to the season because they were in position to start all 5-0. and They did that. They used the momentum to repel them to 10-2, and even though – they stumbled to that five and zero start with Florida and Pittsburgh, but the confidence built and the development happened this next year. I'm looking at it and you're right. I mean, Virginia and Austin P they're two and zero. Texas San Antonio, that Florida game on the road. You always have to wonder because even, even if somebody as incompetent as Billy Napier, which you think is incompetent, I, I don't know incompetent. I just think you think he's overrated. Um, I think he's, <clears throat> I think he's a good mid-level coach. Like, I think he would do just fine at a Wake Forest. Like okay. Dave. But even with that, like, you know, you always worry with Tennessee at Florida because it doesn't really – I mean, Butch, I mean, they managed to lose to Jim McElwain twice. So, I mean – Yeah, and, they, and, and, yeah they, were, they were 0-2 against the Shark. Yeah, and, and they lost uh, – and they, they never beat Muschamp when he was at Florida – they lost a game to Ron Zook when he was at Florida. So, I mean, it's just, you know, you always wonder with Tennessee at Florida, but outside of that, I think they beat Virginia. I think they beat Austin P. I think they beat Texas San Antonio. I, 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 I think they're going to beat the breaks all South Carolina next year. I, I don't see any way they let that happen again. No doubt. I don't know what, if you can get into a spread on that right now, but I would, I would go big on that one. They're going to be, they're going to be angry. Um, I don't do picks, but when I do, they're brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach England, the best personal injury attorney in Chattanooga. And it's that simple. Best and Brock will take care of you. But Zach England in particular helps restore lives and protect your rights. So you have some sort of accident and what the insurance company is going to do. They're going to bone up with big time attorneys. Zach can stand toe to toe with them. Zach's got your back when it comes to personal injury attorney in the Chattanooga area. Back in two minutes, what did Chris Lofton mean to Tennessee? How beloved is he among all of Tennessee's athletes? And we always put football first, but where is Lofton in recent memory among that group, especially considering there are a lot of guys in Tennessee that aren't that beloved because Tennessee had a, a decade of dormancy. So stay tuned. More after this. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the hook sports. And I remind you that when it comes to fantastic vision, go to Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han in Knoxville, local doctors that take care of you back in two minutes. Sun, sand and saltwater. The beach is a very relaxing place unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. 
good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your pair. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do me a favor, hit that like button. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Ran analytics yesterday. 80% of our viewers have not subscribed yet. So make sure you've done that. The like button really helps us open it up to new listeners. And we want to make this show as big as possible so we can add people like Blake Topmeyer. We can add people like Ron Slate and a surprise guest that you're going to love. That will be a regular appearance on the program that will be added in February. So we're excited about things. Uh, by the way, Caleb Calhoun and uh, Caleb Jaro are doing a fantastic job on off-road sports. If you want to go to one central location and uh, read about all you possibly could imagine about the balls, both basketball and football, you need to do that. They are phenomenal. I remind you that the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports is Zul Beer. And we've got an upcoming event there that is going to be fantastic. It's xulbeer.com, worldwide award-winning craft beer. And they've got the abridged food truck that will be there on a regular basis so you can eat and have a fantastic time. It is a place that has parking downtown. What? Yes, parking downtown. Believe it or not, they have it right there. Caleb Calhoun, Chris Lofton. Um, can I go down the uh, old Uncle Dave story line, um, as I tend to do from time to time? I'm covering some event 
And I really can't even remember what it was. It was Tennessee basketball doing something for charity. And it was a very large event. It used to be the Marriott. I think it's a Hyatt downtown, you know, the big triangular building up on the hill. You know, the one I'm talking about in Knoxville. Yeah, yes. Okay. So, and, and there, there, there's this event where they're raising money. And the person who covered Tennessee basketball at the time was Mike Griffith. So they asked me to cover it because it was after the season. So it's in the April ish area and that's when we we kind of loaded up our vacations especially mike because that was right after the season so i went and covered it and they said hey we're having an impromptu press conference and there are about three times and this is one of them where something came out of left field that i had zero idea was coming one was john higgins when he wasn't academically eligible for the ncaa tournament they ended up leaving him out they just handed this piece of paper that said that we read it we're like what you know, it was like total stun. And the other was Lane Kiffin, which happened 13 years ago yesterday when he departed for Southern California. But the other one was this one. And they said, we're kind of going to have this impromptu press conference, which is was so much more organic and enjoyable back in the day when they had those press conferences because it wasn't sterile in the, the Tennessee Media Center and all that stuff. And the announcement was just incredibly serious. Um, and, and I guess the other one I'll take forward would have been Bruce Pearl when they announced his NCAA sanctions, which ended up leading to his firing. But this one in particular, this was a year in which everybody loved Chris Lofton so much, but you couldn't help ask why in his final season of eligibility, his senior season, why he wasn't the same Chris Lofton he, wasn't the, he was the year before. He didn't even take a step up. He didn't even stay even. I thought he came down a little bit as a player. And everybody's wondering why and something's going on. And it was obvious just by his play, not by the rumor mill, because they kept it super tight. And they announced that he had had uh, testicular count, can't, excuse me, testicular cancer and that he had been playing with that all year which is phenomenal to me. I, I wrote a column on Eric Berry, and if you've ever seen somebody go through chemo and cancer treatment, to imagine them being an elite athlete is just mind-blowing. But he was. He was still an all-SEC top player. He just wasn't one of the very best players in the SEC. I think you would you would probably agree with that. So, And I remember them announcing that. Well, they will retire his number tomorrow. And he would have been one of the, just off stats alone, he would have been one of the top five players probably in Tennessee history, if you if you want to include Ernie and Bernie, Allen Houston. Um, I'm going to leave somebody off, Caleb. But uh, he would have been right there as far as most productive players because of what happened during his senior season, probably not – considered one of the most productive players. But the fact that he fought through that um, was just was just phenomenal. And he'll have his number retired at the Tennessee-Kentucky game. And Caleb, you just can't help but respect that young man. Very quiet, wanted to keep it to himself. You know, people change over time, and I don't know your thoughts. If I had a life threatening illness um, at this point in my life, you know, uh, you would probably be one that would know, but um, it would be a very small group. 
and I would not want it to get out. Back then, for whatever reason, I thought, why wouldn't you want people to know and rally around you and have a reason why you're not playing as well as you were? Now I respect that in a different way, maybe with age, maturity, just a, a change of vantage point. But what what do you remember about that? And when you think Chris Lofton, what do you think as he'll have his number retired tomorrow? Yeah, it's funny you bring him up um, because if you remember that year, you know, Bruce Pearl had, had two really good years before, uh, in 05, 06, 06, 07. And in 2007, 2008, in that all season, Tyler Smith transferred to Tennessee and got a hardship to play because his father was ill. And um, I remember I remember we all were watching Chris Lofton and what we all thought throughout the season was that Chris Lofton had had not been able to adjust to Tyler Smith and the kind of change in pace with Tyler Smith, you know, playing under the basket. Tennessee had really mediocre point guard play that year with Ramar Smith and um, Jordan Howell. And we thought that was the reason. And then you're right. The all season comes and we realize he had testicular cancer. And I mean, it's just an amazing story. And the crazy part is here's how great he was. We're wondering why he had a step back that year. He still led the team in scoring at 15 and a half points a game. He shot 39% from three. I mean, he was still like, that's a season that he, he led Tennessee to its first number one ranking, its first 31 season ever. And we were all one. We were all still wondering how he took a step back. That shows how great he was. Um, I just I, I want to do a shout out real quick too because um, uh, Mike Wilson of Knox News has an article out right now about the story of Chris Lofton's recruiting, and we all know Kentucky didn't want him. Like Tubby Smith, one of the reasons we talked about John Calipari yesterday, and one of the reasons the calls were there for Tubby Smith was because he really just let Chris Lofton leave the state. But I don't know if we know this. I just read this, Dave. Did you know that the only reason Tennessee targeted Chris Lofton was because they had lost John Winchester, I think, to the portal. So they had an opening and they would not have gone for Chris Lofton had it not been for John Winchester. So I'm not here to give Buzz Peterson too much credit for landing Chris Lofton. Chris Lofton fell out of the sky into his lap. (laughs) And um, it's one of those situations where he fell out of the sky and he really helped Bruce Pearl those first couple of years. Um, I think Tennessee still would have been successful because Bruce Pearl was introducing um, that press defense and the flex offense and nobody in the SEC was running that at the time. But Chris Lofton helped that a lot, helped Bruce Pearl make an early splash. Uh, Agreed. And um, Jawan James? Jawan Smith. Jawan Smith, I'm sorry. Uh, Jawan James was the offensive lineman. Jawan Smith was the other guy. Let's not forget on that Pearl team, and Pearl is a better X's and O's guy than the people like to say because he is a showman. Uh, he's one of those guys that has style but has substance, and he's a great coach. But let's not forget when he was having success at Tennessee, he had two great shooters. Not good shooters, great shooters. And that that certainly helps win you a lot of games that you probably – wouldn't have won otherwise uh be sure and hit that like button we got some new people jumping on and we appreciate that and if you're just jumping on the beginning of the program we break down tennessee's uh lit official visitors not official but they're visitors for junior day this week and it's a, a pretty strong group and i i just i, I look back at, at what he went through and there's just no way that a, a vast number of days that he wasn't sick or ill from the treatment uh you know not to mention that he had a have an amputation with testicular cancer uh 
just all of that and going through a college football season to me is phenomenal. You know, I, I'm like hypochondriac. I, I would have been the one that wanted to just lay on the bed and until I was 100% clear, then we'll go back to playing basketball. And he, he could have redshirted that year if he wanted to, but he didn't. I didn't know that story about John Winchester. There are a lot of guys, um, Isaiah Victor would be one, that Kentucky turns their back on and they immediately want to go to Tennessee because Tennessee is second in all-time wins in basketball in the SEC. They're second in all-time wins in football to Alabama. So I think there's a natural when those two programs say you're not good enough that Tennessee's the place to go. Now, he may have had a fantastic career at Kentucky. He may have won a championship. I doubt it, but may have. Um, but what he did at Tennessee was make an impact. And we talk about NIL and all that. I'm aware of some job opportunities that Chris Lofton has been offered. He never has to hurt for a good job in Knoxville if he wants one. I mean, a significantly good job. That's how beloved he is. So if you go back over the past 15 years, when was his final year at Tennessee? 2008. 2008. So let's go back over the last 15 years. As far as a football player out of that group, who is more beloved? Now, that would have been Eric Berry's final year because football players always have a step up, right? You've got to be. It would have been Eric Berry's second year or second to last year. Yeah, second to last year. Or second year, either way. He played three years. But um, so. It would have it would have been Eric Berry's um, second year, so let's include him in the list. So if you're football, you automatically have a nudge up in Tennessee, and you always will, just like Duke basketball will have a nudge up. Yeah, there there are there are basketball players um, at North Carolina that are more beloved right now than Drake May at quarterback, and he's probably the best NFL prospect walking the earth. So that's just the way things work. Uh, it's a football school. What players since 98 would you describe as more beloved than Chris Lofton just because they played football? I'm going to say Eric Berry because he did overcome cancer. He did overcome two huge injuries in the NFL. He did everything he could in a program that was falling apart. And so I think he's right up with up there with the elite, like just maybe short of Peyton Manning. Um, and I wrote a column about that on Off the Hook Sports. What players in that time frame, given the dormancy and given the fact that um, Lofton made such a huge impact since 2008, what athletes more beloved than those two guys? Get, I mean, get, is there one? Those are the top two. I think there are three close ones to them in football. Um, I think in football you have Jawan Jennings, um, because I think just people who Juwan Jennings, Tennessee, he had, he called the hail Mary to beat Georgia in 2016. And he was such a vocal leader. And I never saw, I've never seen a player. He was so beloved. He went on Instagram and cussed out the coaches, Butch Jones and the Brady Hoke staff and talked about them using a lot of profanity on Instagram, got kicked off and all of Tennessee and Vol nation begged for him to be reinstated. Everybody sided with Juwan Jennings over the coaching staff. <laughs> I, but see, I can't get beyond that. So 
I, I respect your opinion there. I wouldn't have him even in my top 10 because of that. I, I think that even though he came back and, and he rotted the ship, that's a weird sort of betrayal to the I think everybody sided. I think I don't think it was. I think everybody sided with Jawan Jennings, though, because we all knew that the Butch Jones coaching staff were liars. They were constantly lying to us. And I, so I agree, but I mean to me, that just doesn't sit right. Okay, so if we're talking if we're talking about that time frame, Hendon Hooker has to be up there. Yeah, I was gonna say Hendon Hooker. And I was going to say maybe Josh Dobbs because Josh Dobbs is Hinton Hooker and Josh Dobbs are just two great guys who were also great quarterbacks for Tennessee. And I think to me, that's your four. And then there's a drop off. And, yeah. But you would have Jennings up there in that. I would, I would actually, yeah, because he was, he, he was just, he was one of those, he was, he was that emotional leader. By the way, Dave, you know this because you covered him. The funny thing we talk about this, the most talented quarterback to play for Tennessee since then is Tyler Bray, and nobody respects Tyler Bray at all. Worst intangibles of any quarterback ever to play at Tennessee. Yeah. And it's know. really tough to have bad intangibles as a quarterback and be beloved. If you want to give us your thoughts on the message board, maybe we're missing somebody. Uh, cheese. No, uh, Travis Henry is not in that time frame. Travis, we're just going back to 2008. That's a whole, that's a whole different group. Um, that yeah, bumps some people down the list pretty quickly. If we go back to 98, we're just going to back to 2008. I would push back by the way and say that I think Chris Lofton is in the top five of Tennessee basketball history. I think if you're doing an all-time starting lineup, Chris Lofton is there. Oh, I did too. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely do. So, top five, Ernie, Bernie. Um, Ernie, Bernie, Dale Ellis, Chris Lofton, and I'm going Grant Williams. Ooh. How do you leave off Houston? Because I'm putting Chris Lofton in over Houston. I think Allen Houston's a better NBA player, but I think Tennessee never even had a winning season with Allen Houston. Well, <laughs> but you and I could have played for those teams. They were so bad. <laughs> they were so, they were so bad. yeah but you know this Dave like in college basketball and this is why I call Ben Simmons being a loser in the NBA I've said in college basketball one player can make a team good in college basketball an NCAA tournament caliber you just need one one transcendent recruit can make a team NCAA tournament caliber in college basketball and and Allen Houston didn't even get Tennessee close those years um, but look, oh, uh, but you say one player, you've got to at least have four average to slightly below average, right? So, I, I, are you saying they're they were worse than below average? The rest of those players, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, that's that's transcendently awful. Well, <laughs> and you had a coach that instead of watching game tape would watch soap operas during the day. No, I did not know that. Wade Houston loved watching soap operas. Well, he wasn't he hired just to get Allen Houston? Yes. Yes. And Wade Houston was Kentucky's ace recruiter. And so they go get him. And had he had a head coach and been Tennessee's ace recruiter, they would have been just fine because they would have gotten Allen Houston and other dudes. But that was Tennessee's had a couple of people that they just kind of said, this is enough money and this is it. And Wade Houston went on to trucking. Jerry Green got a lot of money and went on to retirement. And they did not feel like they were driven to have success at Tennessee. That's just a fact. 
A simple fact is that you need to get to Big Orange Phillies on Maynardville Pike. Great food, family friendly. They've got darts. They've got billiards. They've got cornhole and great food. Did I mention great food? I love the wings. Family friendly right there on Maynardville Pike. Big Orange Phillies cannot be beat close to Maynardville and North Knoxville. So we're going to go long today because there's something I've been wanting to get to. And by golly, I'm going to do it before the week <laughs> over. So um, Tennessee's number six in the poll. That has happened 14 times in Tennessee history. So 13 times before this year. So how did the balls respond to that? So let's run through these pretty quickly so that we can get everybody some information. Way back in 38 to 39, uh, you had Tennessee winning its first SEC championship in 38. How did they do in 39, Caleb Gallon? They, what's better than going 11 and 0 and winning the SEC in 1938? How about an undefeated regular season and you don't allow a point? That's pretty good. Season. That's pretty good. Uh, 39 to 40. What's better than two undefeated regular seasons? How about three undefeated regular seasons in a row? Night one and in one ten straight in nineteen forty. Lost the bowl games in thirty nine and forty, but I gotta insist, guys, bowl games were irrelevant back then. They didn't matter. No one yeah. cared about them. <laughs> Literally, like an exhibition when uh, NFL teams used to bounce around before the season and play in Neyland Stadium, stuff like that. If you're old enough to remember, forty to forty one. So in nineteen forty. Uh, Robert Neyland's second stint came to an abrupt end after 1940 as the general was called back to service to train soldiers and help the United States gear up for entry into World War II. W.H. Uh, Britton replaced Neyland after his first stint in 1935, and he went four and five, so there was cause for concern. However, Barnhill uh, guided the balls to an eight and two record in 1941. So, uh, again, what did they do in 1940 to 41? 1940 to 41, they went, I think they lost um, one game in 1941, I believe. They No, they lost two. They lost to Duke and Alabama, went eight and two, finished number 18. Just quick history point. The 1940 election, uh, both FDR and I forget his opponent. I think it was Thomas Dewey. I could be wrong. Um, F. Um, they were both, the question was who would keep the United States out of the war? And FDR pledged he would, while at the same time calling Robert Nealon up to train troops for World War II. So the United States was always going to enter World War II. Pearl Harbor was just the um, tipping point for them to do it. Uh, 1950 to 51 and 50, you had an 11-1 season. They did pretty good in 51 as they won a national title. Yep, their first AP national title, first consensus national title was 1951. They won a share of it in 1950 through some other selectors. Went 10-0 and in 1951 and um, won the uh, and yeah, won the national title, lost to Maryland in the Sugar Bowl. But again, bowl games didn't matter. If you guys want to laugh at Kentucky, Kentucky's claiming the national championship for 1950 because they technically won the SEC because they technically played one more SEC game than Tennessee. But... Both teams had one loss in Tennessee beat Kentucky. So that's the most Kentucky thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they get to uh, claim championships of that, but the, everybody does. Um, there were like seven different polls. The Dunkel poll is one that I uh, remember. Um, but no, um, ultimately Tennessee uh, should have been considered the championship, no question, 
in that year. So then we go to um, we did we do fifty one to fifty two, or did we do? Uh, we did not. Okay, fifty one to fifty two. So nineteen fifty two, Tennessee goes eight two and one, finishes number eight. That's Robert Nalen's last year. He was forced into retirement, early retirement due to health issues. Kind of a sad story with Tennessee. Their most legendary football, men's basketball, and women's basketball coaches all had to retire early due to health issues. 56 to 57 is one of the years that Tennessee ranked number six or higher in the AP poll. They did that in uh, 1956. What did they do in 57? Then lost Johnny Majors, obviously, for two graduations, so they didn't keep up the same success, but they went eight and three, um, and they beat Bear Bryant in his final game at Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl. To those who know, don't know history, before Bear Bryant became the coach at Alabama, it was a known thing that Tennessee owned them. Yep, interesting. 67 to 68 in 1967, um, the uh, Vols lost their opener 24 to 20 to the UCLA Bruins. But Dewey Warren, the Swamp Rat, uh, led them to wins the rest of the regular season and to win the SEC 9-1 and one in both polls and claim a share of the national title. They lost 26-24 to 24 to Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. And what did they do in 68? 68, they went 8-2-1. and one. They tied Georgia in the opener, and they lost at Auburn later in the year. Uh, that Auburn loss cost them a share of the SEC title, although had they beaten Georgia and not tied them, they also would have won it. Um, lost to Texas in the Cotton Bowl, finished number seven in the coaches and number 13 in the AP poll. 1970-71, Bill Battle takes over for Dickey in 1970, wins the SEC championship. Again, a, a top six finish in the AP number four in both polls, 71. No, they didn't win the SEC in 70, I think. Didn't LSU win it that year? Um, I, know, they... I know Tennessee went to the Sugar Bowl, but I think LSU won the SEC. Okay, so they go to the Sugar Bowl, number four in both polls. Yes. Um, they won the, was, I'm sorry, they won the SEC championship in 69. Go ahead. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, LS, Tennessee was better than LSU that year. LSU had the worst SEC schedule ever. <laughs> Look at it. It's horrible. But anyways, um, 71, they go 10-2, and two, lose to Auburn and at Alabama. Um, finished number nine in both polls, beat Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl, a game known for some controversial officiating that seemed to favor Tennessee. Okay, so now we get to more modern-day football, 85-86. to 86. That was one of the most beloved teams in 85, the Sugar Vols, but then 86 was pretty darn brutal. Unranked after losses to Mississippi State and Auburn, both in September. Then uh, the Vols beat UTEP before losing to Army. Alabama, George, and Georgia Tech. So let's bounce to 89 to 90. Again, a hot and cold uh, sort of thing. Uh, the Vols had one blemish on their 89 record. They lost to number 10 Alabama 47 to 30 in 1990. Alabama got Tennessee again. That was 9 to 6. Do you remember that game by chance? I was two, but I know of the game. <laughs> I know of the game. And it's one of the most bizarre endings. I remember being, um, I guess my parents couldn't find babysitter, babysitters, and I was at a watch party. And so I would have been, I guess, like, um, 40, uh, I would have been somewhere like 14. Uh, no, I would have, yeah, like 14, 15 years old. And they couldn't get rid of me. And it was a block field goal that somehow bounced from Tennessee's 30 all the way back to the other Alabama 30 or Yes, um, it would have been Alabama's 30 
So it bounced about 40, 50 yards. And that's when Alabama recovered and there were like two seconds left and they had time to kick the game winning field goal. It was the most bizarre thing that I have ever seen. So uh, that's what happened in uh, 1990. The balls did underachieving team in Tennessee history. I'm going to say that's fair. The balls did finish eighth in the AP poll 95 to 96. You're getting in my neighborhood. Um, the Tennessee finished number uh, number three in the final AP poll with just a loss to Florida on their record. And then in 96, Tennessee was again on the verge of playing for a national championship. And then you had Memphis with the controversial kick return that he was down. His elbow went down, but that was before you had multiple angles. And it was definitely a head scratcher at the time, whether or not he was down. But eventually we saw uh, footage that he was down 80, uh, 98 to 99. Tennessee, of course, won the national championship in 1998. And I'll go ahead and tell you that 1999 team was better, period, end of discussion. Uh, but I don't think they were as driven. They lost to Florida and Arkansas in a revenge game, both revenge games. They were number two and number three, respectively. Tennessee finished the season ninth in the AP poll. 2001 to 2002, which was kind of the last highlight, I believe, in terms of national championship pedigree with Philip Fulmer in 2001. Tennessee played in the SEC championship game and should have won that against an LSU team that had two significant players in Rohan Davey and LeBrandon Tofield that were deemed out at halftime. And then John Chavis, defense coordinator, could make no adjustments, absolutely none, to the simple draw. And that's how uh, Tennessee lost that game. Julian Battle dropped an interception that would have been a touchdown. There was a fumble by Dante Stallworth, a, a fumble by Travis Stevens, and Tennessee could not get out of their own way. Lost that, would have played Miami in the Rose Bowl. I know because I bought my tickets. And maybe I'm the one that cursed them in the press box. Um, then Tennessee had a brutal schedule in 2002, including number two Miami and one of the better teams that I've ever seen. By the time they got to the Peach Bowl, uh, they got beat 30 to three. Um, and I can't remember the linebacker's name that was so good that just made plays all over the field for Maryland. Do you remember him? EJ Henderson. What's that? EJ Henderson. That's it. Yeah. And he and I coincidentally dined at the same seafood restaurant after the game. We, I didn't know that, but uh, we did. And I was like, hey, look, there's the guy who just dominated Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee finished 8-5 and five and unranked for the first time since 1998. And then that takes us to... 98. Sorry? 88. I thought I said did, 88. You said not, did, did you say 98? <laughs> 88. Definitely 98. Oh. They were a lot better. 2022 yeah. to 2023, Tennessee finished 11 and two in 2022, finished the season number six. As for 2023, that remains to be determined. Right now, if you had a bet, if Tennessee will be ranked in the top six in 2023, yay or nay, you would say? I'd say nay. I'm high on 2024. I'm, I'm extremely high on 2024, but I would say nay for 2023. Um so, um, yeah, I, that's. Do we still have you, Caleb? I think Caleb. Remember that? Go, you, you bleeped out a little bit. Say it again. 
Oh, sorry. I would say I would say nay for 2023, but I was going to say I just saw a, chicken, a comment from Chicken Butt. Uh, yes, that's the name <laughs> uh, on the top right um, about the armed roses after the Florida game at Tom Black Track. I'm sure you remember that, Dave. Where even yeah, I was, yeah, I was in Florida. That was really stupid. Um, and the um, WIBK at the time, and then it was WNOX uh, came up with that idea. And that was just a bad, bad idea. I heard about that when I was still in Gainesville, and I was like, that's a bad idea. And didn't Fulmer let Henderson and Stevens fly to the award ceremony that week, the week of the SEC championship game? Mm, I can't verify that. Okay, I believe – Let's. I'm going to look that up later, but I've heard through the grapevine, can't confirm it, that John Henderson and Travis Stevens actually went to the award ceremonies because they were for the Outland and the Doak Walker that year. The week of the, they didn't win it, but the week of the SEC championship game. I saw Travis Stevens around that week, but he could, you know, nowadays he, with a private jet, he could have flown back and forth. So there you go. That's on all on offthehooksports.com. If you haven't checked out the website yet, uh, please do. But yeah, the Roses were really stupid. Travis says if Tennessee loses two, it will be Georgia and Alabama. So yes, we'll be sixth or better after the bowls. So that's kind of where I am, Travis. If they lose those two, then they're still sixth or better if they play well in the bowl game. So I think Tennessee will be a uh, top six team, and I think I'll write about that later this afternoon. And also the most beloved players since Chris Lofton hung up his uh, jersey at Tennessee. Congratulations to him as his number will be retired at the Kentucky game. And uh, fantastic stuff today. We appreciate like. Blake Topmeyer, and a lot going on. So have a fantastic day, everyone. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.